Hey everybody, it's Christina Caramo and welcome to It's Solid Food. Today we're going to talk about Marxism. Now, before you turn away, I know this doesn't sound like an interesting topic, but it's so important that we talk about what Karl Marx taught. Oftentimes on the show, I complain about Marxists, and I've done it many times, and, and some people are like, okay, yeah, whatever, sure, Marxism isn't a big deal, it's just another belief system. And I had someone say to me recently, oh, well, America's a mixed economy, so who cares if some of the people in government are Marxist? And I'm like, well, you need to read what Marx wrote. And one of the things in America, we, this is the thing, all ideas are not compatible. Let me say that again. All ideas are not compatible. So if I say I want to be healthy, but I'm going to eat fast food every meal every day, those ideas are not compatible. They don't work. They oppose one another. So when you have people in government with opposing ideas, that's a problem. And we need to know what these ideas are. So instead of telling you that Marxism is terrible, we're going to go right to the good old Communist Manifesto. And that's what we're going to be talking about. I'm Christina Caramo, and now it's time for some solid food. To its solid food, where we discuss all things in Christian apologetics, culture, and politics. So, what made me go for this topic? Well, yesterday I was wasting time um, debating with people online, and a couple a couple of people kind of dismissed my concerns regarding Marxism. One person was like, "Oh, Karl Marx was a nationalist," and I'm like, "Excuse me." And every time I just kept bringing up facts about what Karl Marx believed. This woman just tried to dismiss me and say, oh, I'm just parroting white supremacist talking points. I mean, and, and, and I tell you guys all the time, the reason why I bring up the topics of racism and sex so much is because these are the tools that are being weaponized to destroy America. And the topic of racism is just really being blown out of proportion completely. I mean, the way the left tell it, it's like black people are just walking around in fear all day just we're going to be just hunted by this rogue band of white folks i mean this is the way the news media tries to play it and the reason why is to control and manipulate people's thinking and that way they can advocate for these marxist ideas and that way anytime a person complains or calls them out they can just go oh you're just supporting white supremacy you're just you're just appearing those white supremacist talking points it's a form of gaslighting you know gaslighting is like when i um see something and I saw it plain as day, and you try to convince me that what I'm saying isn't true. So it, it's just a form of gaslighting, and, and the American public is falling for it. And so I said to myself, you know what, as much as I complain about Karl Marx and Marxism, let me actually discuss what he had in the actual book. One of the things, when you try to understand something, I recommend not going secondhand. Go to the primary source. So if someone says so-and-so believes this, go to their writings. And then when people try to say, oh, they didn't believe that, well, this is what they said in their writings. This is what he said in his famous book. So how are you going to turn around and tell me that's not what he really meant? And this is what liberals do constantly with their, like, defund the police. Oh, that's not what we really meant. And then they get mad at you, say, oh, well, you guys are just parroting talking points. Come on, Holy Spirit, help me now. It's too early to be cussed. <laughs> it's too early. It's too early. Why do you say one thing, but you really mean another? You're trying to gaslight me. 
That's what you're doing. You you said defund the police because that's what you meant. But then when people push back, you want to say, oh, that's not what we really mean. And this is ridiculous for people to keep saying that. I don't have time for your word games. It's, they're just liars. They're just liars and they're dishonest. And so when you call out, like I was discussing with someone yesterday, about like Black Lives Matter, want to just dismantle the nuclear family. Oh, that's not what they really meant. It's what they said on their website. I mean, what are you talking about? So somebody writes something in the book. They say it in the website, but that's not what they, that's not what they really meant. What they really meant was something else. I mean, this is just idiotic. It's idiotic at its highest level. So I said, you know what? It's time out for these games. And it's important to read what Karl Marx wrote because this is what his followers believe. It's just like with the Bible as a Christian. I read the Bible. And I believe what it says. When I say I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, that doesn't mean I just think he was a swell guy. I believe what he said. I believe what he said about himself. I follow him. That means I follow his words. So when people say they're a Marxist, that means you follow the teachings of Karl Marx. And then these people, it's not like these people are just saying these things. No, you want power in society. So you want power in society but I'm not supposed to take serious the things that you're saying. I'm not supposed to take serious the beliefs of somebody who says they want to overthrow governments and, and get rid of private property and abolish religion and all this and abolish the human family and all this kind of stuff and abolish nation states. I shouldn't believe that he said this. I'm not, I shouldn't believe that's what you meant when you said you're a Marxist or when you quote his or you repackage his writings in your own words and advocate for policy. That that is as such, I shouldn't believe that's what you actually trying to do. Folks, we're being gaslighted and the media is helping the whole process going on. So a communist manifesto was written in the mid-19th century, and um communism is nothing new. Communism is not a um a new concept of just like really this communal living where it's like shared property shared everything that's kind of like what people laugh at those hippie communes those were essentially little communist communities and they would be these little communist communities and really they were kind of they were really marxist in the sense that lots of the time not all the time they were violent not all of them but many of these communities they it's, it's kind of funny little sidebar to just talk about the the ridiculousness of communism um, it's just, you know, I always find that a lot of the places that I socialize at are just, is full of liberals. And I go like to these little like natural food places. I'm like one of these people that if it's not safe to eat, it doesn't go on my skin. It doesn't go on my hair. That's how I, that's how I am. And so I go to these little herb shops and you know, these, they're really eccentric. So this one particular place, I won't say the name cause I don't want to, um, put the people down or whatever. But this one shop I went to, I guess they tried to try, I was reading a newspaper. They tried to um, create some kind of like commune and so people heard about it and were like coming from different places in America to come live in a commune but it didn't work because people were lazy some of the people were lazy and some of the people were stealing and I'm like what did you guys think that's communism and that's why it doesn't work it violates human nature it, it goes against see the only way communism would work is if human beings were perfect if human beings were perfect then communism would work because we would share everything but it's minus sharing each other's spouses. That part wouldn't fly. But other than that, but still, even in a perfect world, it's still this concept of what I earn, I keep. Um, but even such, you guys get what I'm trying to say. If people were perfect and perfectly benevolent at all times, 
yeah, this whole shared concept minus sharing each other's spouses um, would be more plausible. But considering humans in our state, um, we like to earn, we like to keep what we earn. We want our own individuality. Communism is, is the antithesis of that. And with, and with the proponents of Marxism, what these liberals push, the only type of individuality they advocate for is sexual individuality. Notice, the only type of individuality that they advocate for is sexual individuality. And even in that regard, they still want everyone to conform to their view that all sexual activity is permissible, as long as all parties are consenting. This is what they think. So they give this false sense of freedom by advocating for sexual um, debauchery, but then in every other regard, they're totally authoritarian. And that's why, again, I talk about the, the sexual revolution so much because it's being used as a tool to give people this false sense of freedom so they will buy into these Marxist policies because they're like, oh, they're really about freedom and, and, and liberation. It's like, no, they're not. <laughs> they are a bunch of authoritarians who would chop your head off if they could. Um, so nevertheless, I, let's start here with the, I, this um, piece here in the Communist Manifesto. And so in this page here, Marx is complaining about marriage. And he is complaining about um, he's complaining about prostitution and other things, which I can't disagree with him there. I don't support prostitution. But the point I want to highlight, uh, but he does believe in like abolishing like marriage and the, 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 the ties that parents have to their children because it gives us a, some disadvantage. So it's just like this one big collective. We're all family. You know, that's like a hippie commune. Um, but those are, um, that's troubling, of course. But let's move on to some of the other points that a lot of people try to dispute. So the abolishment of the human family, let me, let me stop and say that because I want to go off over that. The human family is the bedrock of a stable society. And when you try to abolish the human family, it's so they can control what you think the child thinks. The state controls your child. And so that's the thing he talks about, the state. We give power to the state. So the goal is to bring this communist revolution, um, flip the government, and then the Communist Party control everything people do, like China, like Russia. Well, we've seen what they've turned into. They turn into maskers. People are snatched out of their homes. They're killed. But Marx advocates for what he calls despot behavior. So that's, that's totally permissible in the Marxist worldview because it's a means to an end. And that's the danger in their ideology. All things are permissible as long as it bring, brings us to our goal. So... Um, so if you abolish the family, then it's easier to manipulate the child, okay? And that's one of the big dangers in their whole let's rethink the human family. You know, when they want to rethink the human family, it's not for the well-being of the individual. It's to advocate for their Marxist view. So um, if you can see here on the page... He says, the communists are further reproached with desiring to abolish countries and nationality. So when you see in the left, you see in the public square, this real advocation or the being advocated for this whole concept of globalism, it's right of the Marxist playbook. Because if we abolish nation states, if there are no nations, then there's no advantage one group will have over the other. 
You, you see what I'm saying? And I've seen people say stuff like this because, again, the way it's being packaged, the media is pushing it like it's peace and harmony and all of us will come together and all of us will will share we're one globe, we're one human family. Yeah, I believe we're all one human family. Uh, but like even the, the con a lot of concepts we have surrounding race and ethnicity, I think are, are kind of silly. I, I mean, it doesn't matter like, we're all human. We're all made a Margot Day. Yeah, I'm, I'm, but that's not the context they're talking about. What they're trying to do is set up a one world system. And so if we um, uh, erase any loyalty to our nation, we're more likely to um, support or go for a global government. Because that's why they try to try to uh, mock patriotism. Notice how the left and the media mocks patriotism. I'm a patriot. I love God. He's number one in my life. I love my family. And right after that, I love my country. So God, my family, and my country. And the reason why I feel that way is obviously I love God for reasons I can't, I can't, I couldn't even begin to explain. Words can't do justice to how much I love God and how much he means to me. After that, I would say the same, not the same, but also on a course of smaller scale, my family. But after that, I love my nation. I want America to be great. I want America to be strong. That's my country. And why should I trust somebody living in Brussels to make decisions for me in Michigan? I love my nation. This is the nation that raised me. I love my country. One should have allegiance to their nation. But what's happening is the, the liberals and the Democrats and the media, they don't want you to have allegiance to their nation. They want you to hate your nation. That way you will celebrate and, um, and embrace a global government. We're witnessing a soft Marxist coup in America and people don't take it seriously because see, America, we're such a highly individualistic nation. We're such a highly individualistic nation that it's very hard to get us to corral around an idea. Like, um, as you guys know, I'm a conservative. And even within the Republican Party, I mean, I differ with people all the time. I mean, we can fight like cats and dogs. You know, some of our meetings and stuff, oh my goodness. You know, um, our state meetings, we will argue and people, and I mean, I, people will really, I'm just saying, because we, we hold on to what we believe and we're going we're gonna to say what we believe. We don't celebrate collectivist thinking. Now, there is some downside to that, um, meaning that sometimes it's hard for us to get push our agenda forward because everybody has a different opinion, but it's actually a good thing because it, it in the end, it's a good thing because it keeps everything in check and doesn't allow um, this whole bullying, steamrolling ideas through. Now, with that being said, though, with that being said, that in America, that is hard to do. Also, one of the things the left wants to do is erode gun rights and make it hard for people to own weapons and weaker weapons. Well, again, if you want to rise up a globalist movement, you're going to have a disarmed population. And like I saw someone put a quote, if the government wants to disarm you, it's because they want to do something to you that you would kill them for. And, and so, again, these people want to push this global system. And, and it's very hard to do with people when you have a heavily armed population. And when people say stupid stuff like, oh, the Second Amendment, they have muskets in mind. They, what they had in mind wasn't the type of weapon. What they had in mind is keeping the government in control. Don't let our government overtake us because history and, and this is one of the reasons I, I encourage people to please study human history you know study history on a global scale 
In America, we have this very myopic view of human behavior and history. We act like the world didn't begin to the foundation of America. I mean, this is ridiculous. You have thousands and thousands of years of human history, human government, will reveal quite plainly that the American system of government is the absolute best that has ever graced planet Earth since Genesis 1-1. You know, no system of government except for that which has been created by God supersedes, only God's government supersedes America's government. And and that's the truth as far as human formation. Now, I'm not saying there's some country somewhere where I missed something, but based on the knowledge I have, there's nothing better than having individuals govern themselves, but having a moral people govern themselves. But with the Marxist worldview, they want to abolish all that. And, and Marx goes on to say, the working man have no country. We cannot take from them what they have not. Since the proletariat must first acquire, all acquire political supremacy, must rise to be the leading class of the nation, must constitute itself the nation. It is so far itself national, though though not the bourgeois sense of the word. So um, the thing about it is the way the Marxist worldview works is that they want to use the system that exists to overthrow the system. So they're saying that they're not national in the sense that um, they have an allegiance to their country, is that they must rise and support and create a political system and a political class to overthrow, to overthrow the current national system. So within the nation, the people must form a national group but it's to overthrow the system of nation. That's why he says it's national, though not in the bourgeois sense of the world, in the of the word. So they're not when we think of national, that's not what Karl Marx is talking about because he said quite clearly before the communists are further reproached with desiring to abolish countries and nationality. So that's their goal. They just put to pretend to care about America simply to to do away with it, and so they can rise to power to do do away with it. Another troubling thing about Marx is he talks about how he wants to abolish religion. And that's the thing that's really funny to me. When I hear people say, um, they're a Christian Marxist. What? What planet are you on? What? What are you talking about? There's no such thing. Okay, because according to Marx, he does not believe there's anything as, as eternal truth. Um, he believes that they're false. They don't exist. And I took a quote from the book. Now, the rest of the pages regarding the Communist Manifesto, I uh, took a screenshot from my t iPad, which I have a Kindle app on. And so they come directly from my book. However, this particular picture, um, I got offline because it was like the the way it cut off. It, it, the whole quote was like cut midway through. And I say that because it's important because someone accused me of just taking things I found on the internet. I'm like, no, I read the book myself. Like, don't come to me with that. I actually, I read every single day. Nevertheless, this is a quote from Marx's book. And he says, undoubtedly, it will be said, religious, moral, philosophical, and judicial ideas have been modified in the course of historical development. But religion, morality, philosophy, political science, and law constantly survive this change. There are besides eternal truths such as freedom, justice, etc. that are common to all states of society. But communism abolishes eternal truths. It abolishes all religion and all morality. Instead of constituting them on a new basis, it therefore acts in a contradiction to all past historical experiences. 
What does the accusation reduce itself to? The history of all past society has consisted in the development of class antagonism, antagonisms that assume different forms at different epochs. So what Marx is saying is that he wants to do away with all religion. And everything that we build on throughout human history is just throughout time we built on these class antagonistic systems. So his philosophy, and if you look at it in America, they repackage this as race instead of class. So they just swapped out class for race. That's why you have people who say, oh, Christianity is just a tool of white supremacy. So instead of saying Christianity is a tool of the bourgeois, they just say Christianity is a tool of white supremacy or the nuclear family. Instead of saying that the nuclear family is a tool of the bourgeois, they say the nuclear family is just a tool of white supremacy. So whenever you hear people throw out white supremacy, just swap that out with bourgeois. And then you go, okay, this is just Marxism. And it's easier to identify. And I think the reason why people struggle to identify the Marxism, because they don't get into class, they just talk about race. But they supplant class with race. Okay, so he's saying that there are no eternal truths. Now, this is the stupid part, and this is the arrogance. You know, in the Bible, in Proverbs 9, uh, 10, um, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. It is very clear that God is the beginning of wisdom. Now, let's talk about this from a theological perspective and then just a logical perspective. From a theological perspective, of course, God is the beginning of wisdom. He he is the source of all truth. He's the source of everything. Now, I don't mean in a, like a Buddhist way, like we're all God, but I mean everything God made. He created everything. He's the source of everything. And now some people say, well, what about evil? And um, this um, radio host I listen to a lot named Abraham Hamilton, he frequently makes this statement that darkness is the absence of life. It's not... Uh, it's not a positive force. It's just that when light, when light vacates, darkness fills the space. So when the presence of God or when God is vacated from a space, darkness and wickedness necessarily inhabits the space. So it's not that God created evil. It's the absence of God necessitates evil because he is all good, all knowing, all perfect. But when he isn't present or not welcome in the airy night, of course, God is omnipresent. But my point is, is that when humans are separated from God, that's what uh, precipitates evil. And in a society when people, God is not welcome, meaning that the people reject God, which means his light, his grace, his mercy, his everything is vacated from that place, that necessarily brings, necessarily brings about wickedness and evil. So God is a source of all wisdom and understanding. He's all-knowing. He's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. He's omnipotent. He is the most amazing of amazing. He is Yahweh. He is I am. He is just everything. So to think you're going to have some knowledge and understanding and truth, absence of God, then you just have really chaos. Because in the communist view, they want to supplant or remove God's will from society and create their own. Well, this is what's caused all the problems throughout human history. I mean, in your everyday life, if you examine your everyday life, if you were really honest and said, man, I didn't listen to God here, here, and here, then you can see how the problems manifested in your life. But also from a practical perspective, but I mean from a logical lens, that's like if I go get an item. Most items that have some kind of complication, even your um, cereal has directions on it. Like, eat this much per day for a 2,000 calorie diet. Like, you, you buy a box of cookies 
and there's directions. Everything comes with directions pretty much. So with that being said, God made us. So he would have the best directions regarding how we should govern every day because he made us. So that's why you have manufacturer's instructions. So in a sense, the Bible functions a lot like manufactured, not manufactured, but the manufacturer's instructions. God being the manufacturer. Sorry, that's a bright light. <laughs> but God is the manufacturer. And these are the instructions he gave us. So, I mean, to say we're going to do away with our creator's instructions because we don't want to follow them, it's just nonsense. It's just absolute nonsense. It's absolute. It's just ridiculous. But this is what he believes. So when people say that they're Christian Marxists or that Marxism is a good thing, anyone who says we want to abolish all eternal truth, they just want to be God. We want to rewrite the rules of humanity. We want to re rewrite the rules of how humans should govern. And again, that's why we have North Korea. Is that what you really want? Well, let's quickly go through these 10 points that Marx mentions to bring about um, his change. Now, now, check this out. So when people try to dismiss, and, and all the people will say, is, oh, this is just a tool of white supremacy. Like I said, all you have to do is replace white supremacy and whiteness with bourgeois. And then you'll be like, oh, this is just Marxism. That's all it is. They just, again, instead of focusing on economic class, they just, folks, they just instead of focusing on like economic class, they just create or focus on racial classes. Just a, 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 a rewording, that's all. Very obvious. So he says, of course, in the beginning, this cannot be affected except by means of despotic inroads on the rights of property and on the conditions of bourgeois production by means of measure, therefore, which appear economically insufficient and untenable, but which in the course of the movement outstrip themselves. Necessity further inroads upon the old social order are unavoidable as means of entirely revolutionizing the mode of production. So let's go back to what he said here by of despotic inroad. So to be a despot is to do things by force, by violence. So he is right there calling for by force, by violent means, we're going to confiscate people's things. This is why Marxist revolutions are so violent. So when you see like Black Lives Matter and Antifa, they're one and the same, BLM. I, I'm going to quit saying Black Lives Matter. Well, fine, I'm going to say it because people get caught up with, you don't care about Black Lives? I'm Black, so shut up. But that's not the point. You, the organization, I don't care about the silly title you call it. You can call yourself whatever you want. You can call yourself pink, purple, and orange. The point of the matter is, is that you guys are pushing for Marxism and you go and you riot in the street. You go and you and you assault people. There are videos of, of, of an elderly couple sitting at a restaurant and someone take goes out and screaming at them with a bullhorn, take their drink, start eating their food. I mean, it's just out of hand. Or another video, I see people sitting at a restaurant and they intimidate the slaves, say, throw the fist up, Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter. And the hilariousness of the video is all the people circling this lady are white. She's white. So, again, you have to remove, take whiteness, take racist, take all those words out and just put in bourgeois. That's all they're doing. That's all they're doing. And so they feel morally justified in their worldview and their beliefs. So they feel like it's totally permissible to go and assault people, intimidate people, whatever they have to do because they want to outstrip this old bourgeois or whiteness order. So it's all justifiable. But here's what they want to do. 
These measures will, of course, be different in different countries. Nevertheless, in the most advanced countries, the following will be pretty generally applicable. Number one, abolish of property in land and application of all rents of land to public purposes. So that is the abolishment of private property. So when people say that you just are supporting whiteness by complaining about Marxism, and I would say, well, do you want to abolish private property? Do you want not? Do you not want to own a home? So everything you have belongs to the state. Um, all your clothes, your food, your house, your car, everything that you own belongs to the state. Is that what you want? Because if they are going to say the land belongs to the state, well, necessarily everything else is going to belong to the state as well. Because the things that are produced on the land are going to belong to the state. So you have nothing. Is that really the world you want? I mean, when these people say they're Marxists, and again, if you go through the, the policies that these politicians see, I believe that you should believe, take people at their word, and not just take them at their word, but take them at what they're doing, and look at the policies that these people are advocating for. That will give you a clear indication of what they are up to. Number two, a heavy progressive or graduated income tax. So if you notice, liberals are constantly trying to raise income taxes. It's just to raise them to astronomical proportions. Where it's, it's to a point where you're getting so much taken away from you. It's like, and this is the funny part to me. You look at places like Texas. People aren't running out of Texas. People are running to Texas because they don't have a, um, income tax. Not a state income tax. So they run to these states because it's prosperity. So the government wants to take your money. This is according to Marx, the fair way. So people who, and then this is the funny part. They complain about bourgeois and proletariat, blah, blah, blah. Notice he didn't say a heavy progressive or graduated income tax on the bourgeois. It's just a heavy tax on everybody. So that's the stupid part. So you got these silly people running around like, yeah, we're supporting, we're fighting white supremacy by raising taxes and all this stupid stuff. Or they just care about the rich. They're going to screw over everybody. What are you talking about? It's so simple. They're going to screw over everyone. They want everyone to be equally miserable. And that way no one, it, see, Marxism is really rooted in jealousy. It is. It's this idea that people have something I don't want, so I want to take, people have something I want, so I'm going to take it from them. It's just theft. It's just theft. That's why people always say taxation is theft. It's theft. Now, I wouldn't go on. I'm not saying there aren't other models to fund the government because you want police and other things. And we do want mayors and city councils and things. Um, and I'm not saying there's not another way to, to fund them. But the, the way our tax system is now, I mean, they take so much out of your check. Anyway, number three, ab ab abolition of all right of inheritance. So one of the things that they have, like these inheritance taxes and stuff like that, you know, or death taxes. So the government wants to pay, pay a tax when someone dies, pay a tax to inherit property. So if my family already, my, my family or my relative or whomever already paid taxes on the money that they had, because when they earn their money, they had to pay taxes because they earned this money. So that means we got to pay a second tax when they die. No, that doesn't make any sense. But they want to get rid of all inheritance. So when your loved one dies, you know, many of us have a parent, of course, all of us. Now, why I say many of us? All of us have parents and grandparents, right? And when they die, they leave us stuff. They leave us money, houses, jewelry, whatever. But according to Marxism, we're going to take it all. You don't get that. So that 
beautiful necklace that grandmother had, your mother had, that you always really wanted, and she left it to you when she passed on, you can have that go that goes to the state. The house that your parents worked hard for, oh, for one, your parents don't own their house, so but whatever possessions your parents have, it goes to the state. This is what Marxism believes. So when you see liberals want to encroach more and more, again, remember, the only freedom they want is sexual freedom. It's a, it's a diversion. They just talk about sexual freedom. But in every other aspect, they're total authoritarians. So you have no right to inherit anything. Whatever your family had or parents had or whoever wants to leave you something, it goes to the state. Uh, confiscation of the property of all immigrants and rebels. Now, check this out. Notice in communist nations, whether it be uh, in the USSR, China, North Korea, Cuba, you can't leave. You can't leave. But even in um, his thing, an immigrant, not immigrant, like IMM is the immigrant who comes into a nation. Immigrant, EM, is a person who leaves a nation, right? So when a person leaves their nation, Everything they have, they lose. And also rebels. So anyone who doesn't bow to the Marxist worldview, we're going to take everything you have. And you can see that kind of stuff happening now. You know, um, if whatever you have, we're going to just take it. We don't like you, so we're going to take what you have. And this is what they believe. So if if you don't bow to their system, if you don't bow to their Antifa, Black Lives Matter, whatever agenda they have going on, they want to destroy and take what you have because you're supporting whiteness. You're supporting white supremacy. So since you're supporting up and propping up white supremacy, we want to ruin you and take everything you have. And that's the way they are. So when they try to pretend they're benevolent, that's why Antifa and Black Lives Matter, these groups, they really show what these groups are about. And like the one guy who was on, I think it was his own, no, he wasn't on Lauren Inger, I think it was Shannon Ring, one of the ladies on Fox News. He was on her show and he said, like, we're gonna, we're gonna be violent. He I don't I paraphrase, I don't remember exactly his words, but that's what he's saying. We're gonna do whatever it takes. Because that's the Marxist worldview. We're gonna do it by any means necessary. So if we have to shoot you, kill you, take your stuff, kidnap your kids, whatever it takes. That's why violent communist governments, they torture and torment and do all these horrible things. Remember what happened to Otto Warmbier, I think it was his name, the guy who went to uh, North Korea and took the poster or whatever. That's how they are. If you don't do exactly what we say, we're going to take your stuff and we're going to harm you. That's how they are. That's what they believe because you have to be in total, they have to have total control and total allegiance in order to make their system work. Which it doesn't work. It just torments all the adherents. But remember, we're doing this to fight not the bourgeois, but white supremacy, right? Um, next is the centralization of credit in the hands of the state by means of a national bank with the state capital and exclusive monopoly. So the state can totally control all the banks. It knows how much money. I don't want the federal government knowing what's in my bank account. That's my business. State controls everything. The state, state controls all banks and financial institutions. So there's no private banking. There's no everything. Next, centralization by means of communication and transport in the hands of the state. That's important. Notice how um, notice how liberals they want to control speech. That's why they have these hate speech codes. That's Marxism one on one, baby. So we control what you can and can't say. 
you have we control what you can't say. We control what you can't say. We control everything about you in order to feed the commune, to feed the state. That's why you know that they have cancel culture. Our media blocks certain voices. Big tech companies, which is what I'm going to talk about in tomorrow's episode, they block certain voices. They make sure certain messages don't get out. Remember those doctors who disagreed and said that we shouldn't continue lockdown, we shouldn't continue wearing these masks, doctors who supported hydroxychloroquine. Big tech companies, they censored them. They try to censor because you want to control the information people have. One of the reasons why President Trump won in 2016 and he will win in 2020 is because of alternative media. If we just only depend were dependent upon the major news networks, another conservative wouldn't win. Uh, conservatives wouldn't win at all because they let the media tell it. Either A, if you're conservative, it's because you're racist, or B, you're a racist sympathizer. Now remember, let's swap out the words racist and racist sympathizer with bourgeois. So you're a bourgeois. That's all you are. You're against the proletariat. That's all it is. So they want to control communication so they can control how you can think. They want to control people who want to organize and go against them. Just like groups who organize certain things. Like I saw a video of a woman in Australia. She organized some group. And the government came to try to arrest her. She organized some group to um, to to complain about their lockdown orders or whatever. And they, they came to arrest her. So this is the kind of stuff that's happening. So they don't want people to communicate. That's why like on college campuses, like the young conservative groups or Christian groups, they want to shut you down. They don't want you communicating. They don't want you spreading your worldview because your ideas are dangerous. And that's the thing. It's like this. If the Marxists have such great ideas, why are they so afraid of competing ideas? Because the competing ideas really resonate more with human nature. Their ideas just resonate with human jealousy. It resonates with the worst of humans. I want to take your stuff and control what you can say and think so I can be in power. Boom. It, it was rooted in jealousy so and hatred and disdain for God and disdain for my fellow man. I'm angry because someone has a bigger house. There's people who have way nicer stuff than I have. I'm not angry when I steal their things. But that's the, that's the Marxist worldview. It's rooted in jealousy. It's rooted in control. It's rooted in the devil. But whatever. Um, moving on. Point seven. Extension of factories and instruments of production owned by the state. The bringing into cultivation of waste, lands, and the improvement of soil generally in accordance with the common plan. So again, the government control all factories. Uh, every aspect of the production process um, is totally controlled by the state. So you won't have individual businesses. So you can't have your own business. It's not something you can have. The state will control everything. It would tell you what you can do. It would tell you what you can't make. It would tell you how much you got to make. That makes me think of the Great Leap Forward in China where thousands of people, if not millions, I can't remember how many people died. It probably was millions. It probably was millions now that I think about it. Died in the Great Leap Forward. Number eight, equal liability of all labor, establishment of industry armies, especially for agriculture. So, so here's the thing. When they say there's equal liability of all labor, there's really no such thing. And then two, establishment of industry armies. There is no liability. The government, for one, controls everything, and then the government isn't liable. Who's going to hold the government liable? If they can control every aspect of your life, you own no property, you have nothing, you have no family, you just belong to the collective, you belong to the state, um, they control who, how you can speak, they control how you organize, how are they equally liable? And then who are the in establishment industrial armies? 
I mean, so you mean you're going to have enforcers who go and make people do this stuff? I mean, again, that's why communism brings so much death and violence. Number nine, combination of agriculture with manufacturing industries, gradual abolition of the distinction between town and country by a more equal, equitable distribution of the population of the country. So they're also going to control where you can live. They're going to control where you can buy, where you can live. So you have to live in these designated zones. You don't have the freedom to move around. You don't have the ability to move around. You don't have the ability to go here or there or wherever you would like to go. You have to live where the state tells you to live. Um, number 10, free education for all children in public schools, abolition of child's children's fa factory labor in its present form, combination of education with industrial production. Now, I mean, of course, I don't, I, I agree with free education for children. I mean, I don't have a problem with that. I mean, we have that right now. Of course, I don't agree with um, children having to work in factories, but notice he said in its present form. Now, of course, there was a problem of child labor in the 19th and early 20th century. You did have that problem in various parts of the world. However, what type of industrial education did he plan to replace that with? Of course, based on all the other things Marx has said, it it's going to be terrible. And so he sums up, and this actually was the end of the paragraph, end of this um, chapter of the book. But he says, when in the course of development, class distinctions have disappeared and all production has been concentrated in the hands of a vast association of the whole nation, the public power will lose its political character. Political power, properly so-called, is merely the organized power of one class for oppressing another. So here's the funny part. I've always said this. Once the proletariat, once the proletariat becomes the bourgeois, because the goal is for the proletariat to overthrow the bourgeois and really create a new bourgeois, because they have to be empowered in order to institute all these plans. That's why in these countries you see like these rich oligarchs and these communist nations and everyone else is living on peanuts, because somebody has to boss everyone around. I mean, it's not like they have a council. There's no election in these nations. Get out of here. Anyway, he says political power properly is so-called is merely the organized power of one class for oppressing another. So he's calling for a, a different class. He wants one class to overthrow that class and create a new class. Anyway, if the proletariat during its contest with the bourgeois is compelled by force of circumstances to organize itself as a class, if by means of a revolution, it makes itself the ruling class and as such sweeps away by force the old conditions of production then it will, along with these conditions, have swept away the condition for the existence of class antagonism and of classes generally and will thereby have abolished its own supremacy as a class. So his thing is that once the proletariat rises to power, they are going to instrument or implement these, these 10 points of his and not just the 10 points, of course, getting rid of religion and getting rid of the human family and marriage and all this other stuff. So because he feels like it gives people upper hand um, so if we, if they get in power and follow his plan, then everything will be okay. But that's the kicker part. They don't follow his plan. They follow, they put these rules on everybody else, but the new bourgeois, who was the former proletariat, they live by the people, they live the same lifestyle and by the same principles of the people they despise, but on steroids, because at least the people they despise many times, not all, because you have some gravelicious capitalists who did like really horrible things that's very true there's people who will sell you poison if it made them a buck i mean that's what drug dealers are right 
but in a lot of pharmaceutical companies too, FYI. But the thing about it is, is that the people who overthrow the old system, they never live by these points. That's why we call these people, like in America, we call them limousine liberals. I mean, you think about all these wealthy liberals who preach all this mess. They don't ever live by any of these points. They own homes. Like I remember the Obamas and you think of the Clintons. I mean, these people are fabulously wealthy. They don't live by any of these points. They don't live by any of this. And even these rank and file Marxists, like these Antifa kids they arrested all in New York, they all are from super rich families. They all are like trust fund babies. You guys don't live by any of this. So these people, they don't live by the policies that they purport. They just want to rule over you. And they, and they they feed you jealousy. They feed you jealousy. And two, it's so insidious because what they do is they feed it in the form of race. They want people who are not white to hate white people. See, it's one thing if I say, and it's worse than actually class because you can't help your skin color. That's something you're born with. So when they say things that being black makes you at a disadvantage, that means that my brown skin is a mark. I like the way I look. I love my skin. I feel everybody should love their self because, hey, that's the way God made you. But instead of being content and happy in the way God made me, I should see my brown skin like the mark of Cain. My brown skin is the mark of Cain. And then people, white people, should see their white skin as giving this an inherent advantage that makes them necessarily evil. So in order to pay a penance for this gift they have been bestowed with, which is their white skin, they have to self-flagellate. They have to self-harm. They have to lower themselves in order to pay a penance. They have to pay a penance for the guilt, the evil sin of their whiteness. And that's the only way you can have a true, better America. It's just, again, just, and, and it's worse because the reason why it's worse than class distinctions is because money can always be earned. I can't change the skin color. People can't change their skin color. They can't change your ethnicity. That's, that's, those, those are the most immutable characteristics. I like these crazy liberals who want to tell me that gender is on the spectrum, like whatever. But the gen, my gender, my, my skin tone, my hair, my body type. I mean, these are things I cannot change about myself. These are what I'm born with. And you want to tell me the things I'm born with is like the mark of Cain? And it will, it will, it will, it will reduce me to second class status my entire life? At least if you're going to say it economically based, I can earn more money. That's not a problem. But to try to convince people that, that to convince non-black people, I mean, non-white people, that you carry the market cane and, and white people that they carry the greatest sin that they must pay for. And this is the only way. And, 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 and notice that in society and liberal circles, you think of, of, of black thinkers or black people who are in, in academia, the only topic they talk about is race. They don't talk about any other topic because that's what they need them for. They ain't talking about politics. They don't talk about world history. Everything is about race. Because they need them for the Marxist revolution. And this is something I'm going to do an episode on is how black people are being used as tools for Marxist revolutions and have been for a long time. It is no secret that Marxists knew that, that inciting hatred 
in the hearts of black people is a tool to bringing Marxism about in America. Because again, instead of just remove the word bourgeois and proletariat and throw in race, that's that's the way they're trying to bring in Marxist revolutions. Instead of trying to divide us along economic lines, they want to divide us along racial lines. And then that's and that's what's happening. And all of that is really just a distraction from the real problems which I did discuss in this episode, which are the Marxist principles that they look to implement in society. So that's what's really concerning. And Americans really need to pay attention and take this seriously because you you can't keep ignoring what's happening before us. And I think too many Americans, and I, and I say this all the time, too many Americans have this idea that America will always be this strong flying eagle. The eagle can die. The eagle can die. It requires us to be active participants in society. It requires us to be active participants in the in the the square of ideas, in the, in the excuse me, the public platform of ideas, and it requires us to fight back. And we're going to have to fight back hard, but we can win. It is totally doable. Do not give up. Do not say, "Oh, it's just the end times," so it's going to be what it's going to be. That is a cheap excuse to not be involved. Get involved. Fight for our country. Fight for freedom. All right. Thank you for listening to It's Solid Food. Again, I'm available on all major podcast podcast platforms. <laughs> I'm available on all major podcast platforms. Please share, subscribe, leave a review. Leave a review. Tell the people how awesome it is so when they see solid food, they see the little bunny rabbit at the table with the Bible. They're like, wow, this must be an awesome podcast. I want to listen. That's a cute drawing. And eventually I'm going to sell a t-shirt too, but we'll talk about that another time. But nevertheless, check out my podcast. You can go to my website, www.christinacaramo.com. Also, you can like me on Facebook at the Christina Caramo Project. I'm on Instagram at Caramo the Great. That's Caramo, the G-R and the number eight. And I'm on YouTube at the Christina Caramo Project. So remember to be brave and bold because the gospel of Jesus Christ must be told. Toodles!